to the Comedy Sports Podcast with your host, Christine Rolo Capriolo, and today's guest, the master and commander of the far side of comedy, Peter Psycho 3 Alberts. Hey, welcome back to the Comedy Sports Podcast. I'm Christine Rolo Capriolo. Very excited. I have a friend calling in from L.A. today, someone I admired as a youth looking up to when I go to comedy sports, particularly watching those Dead Ale Wives. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Peter Alberts. Hey, Peter. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm so excited I'm on the phone. Oh. <laughs> I'm so excited you were willing to give us some of your time today for the podcast. I really appreciate it. Well, it's a lovely way to start a sunny California day. Well, that's right. So you're out in L.A., right? I am. Well, I always start the podcast by asking my guests where you were born and raised. I was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, um, south side of Milwaukee. South side. Awesome. So where'd you go to high school then? Hamilton. Really? Yeah, it was, um, my, my best part was graduating high school. Good, good job on that. Congratulations. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like high school that much. No? I took real many classes and got out a year early. You got out a year early? Yeah, I was 16 when I graduated. 16? Um, and then I started college too young. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's, didn't where, do that well. Where'd you go? UW-Milwaukee? Yeah. Okay. I started out in, um... I wanted to take law classes, and that was I take pre-law stuff, and then I went into engineering because that's what I was better at. Okay. And then I started taking theater classes, mixing that in with stuff. And then I met this guy when I was waiting tables who thought I was funny and said I should go to comedy sports and watch them. And he was one of the performers, so I did that and thought it was pretty neat. Who was that guy? So, Do you remember? I can't think of his name. <laughs> he was, you know, he was a nice guy, but he ended up. By the time I started performing with comedy sports, he had moved to um, Racine, and then I kind of just kind of fell out of my memory. Now <laughs> that's okay. We'll we'll hunt him down for you. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that guy that got me into it. I appreciate it. <laughs> so, what kind of kid were you? You said you didn't like school. Um. I mean, wait, did you say what kind of kid was I? Yeah, like you said you didn't like school, but yet you graduated early. That's a pretty amazing... I was a really cool kid. I just, um, they didn't know it. <laughs> they didn't know it yet. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I mean, I just didn't think that the stuff that most of the kids in my school were into was the stuff I was into. I wasn't a sports kid. Yeah. You, you know, I I mean, as soon as I got out of college, I started buying old motorcycles and fixing them up and stuff like that. But I was more into music. Uh, with my older brothers and sisters. So, you know, I just, I like going out to see punk rock shows and stuff like that. Okay. I, my school is going in a different direction. So all of a sudden, I, you know, I'm 17. I'm, when I started college, I just turned 17. And like, you know, all the bars were available to me except my brother's ID. Okay. I was 18 at the time. So you could go when you're pretty young. Sure. So all these cool bars were opening up around town. Um, there's this punk bar called the underground and cafe Voltaire was over in Bayview. And yeah, we, we just went and saw bands almost every night. It was just such a cool change of pace. 
um, that school, I didn't do that good in college. I was having so much fun at night. But then once I figured out about comedy sports and started doing that, I could mix my um, fun with what I was wanted to do. Yeah. So once I, you know, we got to started taking workshops. I started with a really good group of people. I mean, I think my beginning class was me, Kurt Scholler, uh, Mundy Carter, Jennifer Rupp was in it. Sure. Um, I can't remember because some of them are right before me, like Holly Ignatowski and G Man. Paul Stazak. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It was, it, was the whole, it was pretty pretty neat. There's a bunch of really, and like the people who were on stage back then are still some of the main stays. You know, it was all the guys from Brady Street who we all looked up to so much. Sure. Uh, Bo Johnson was my first teacher. Yeah, I was going to ask you who your first teacher was and what you remember about workshops when you started. Well, Bo was my hero, you know, Bo, I just thought he was, he was such a good teacher and was so positive about everything. And, you know, he just made everybody feel good about what they were doing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I don't know. He was good enough that when I started the Alewives, I, I it was one of the first ones we asked. <laughs> well, so what year did you start in comedy sports? Like when did you start workshops and start playing? I think my first workshop was in 89. And okay. I think I started in 1990, started performing. Okay. I could be off a little bit there. Yeah. And then talk about when you first started playing. How did that go? Do you remember your first show or anything? I do. I remember that Joe is my captain. Joe Cortezzi. Uh, yeah. And uh, Ian um, uh, from the Upright Citizens Brigade. Ian um, Roberts. Ian Roberts yeah. was on the other team. <laughs> and watching him perform was... I kind of was like, oh, my God, am I out of my league? <laughs> <laughs> but then I was like, oh, well, if he can do it, I can handle this. <laughs> and uh, Joe was such a – Joe's really a supportive player for no players. He was oh, great. yeah. I remember him just being like putting me out there. Like, yeah, you got this guy. You got this. Yeah. Clapping yeah. his hands the funny way he does. Yeah. And uh, it got, yeah, the first show was all right. Okay. Um, and then were you kind of a regular I, then? You played every weekend? No, no, I had a hard time getting on the regular roster. Okay. Dick didn't think I was as funny as I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> so it took a while. Yeah, it took a while. <laughs> I don't know if I ever quite got on the regular roster. <laughs> <laughs> well, then tell me about how the Alewives came to be. Like, I've, I talked to Kurt Scholler and... Bo Johnson already about it, and Kurt really thinks that you were the lead in that, getting that going. Talk about why you decided to start the Alewives. <laughs> well, it started when um, uh, Sean McKenna and I were out one day, and we were just talking. We, we made up a skit, and we, we were talking about how we wanted to do it somewhere. And uh, we just decided to get together and, and do a show anywhere that we could get it. So we started asking some, you know, asking around other few places, and. Some friends of mine told me we could do it at their bar um, called the Stone Toad. Yeah, the Stone Toad. And uh, we started there, and then like they went out of business after a few shows. <laughs> I don't think it was our fault. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, and then we just kept doing it. You know, at first we started. It was like who was it? It was uh, Sean McKenna. Was of course my. You know, he was like my best friend, so he was my my first pick for anything because we just. We were both started at the same time, and anytime we did something together, we just had this magic spark. It seemed yeah. like to me. Oh, that's awesome! Um, and then uh, we asked Kurt to do it, mm -hmm. and 
Bo and Carol Bauman. Um, they were dating at the time. Right. Made and... it exciting. Uh, <laughs> Terry Simon performed with us for a little while. Okay. And Brian Green. Yeah, Brian and Green. I think John Plesnick and Karen Stobie even played a couple of shows when we first started. And when we first started, we were basically just doing a, a ripoff of comedy sports and swearing. And then right. we you know, <laughs> had a couple of sketches into it. Okay. But, uh, you know, once we started doing it, we started realizing that we really like challenging ourselves and doing more long form stuff. And that's when it really got exciting and when we really started doing something a little bit different. Um, and then because it sort of transformed into more of what uh, other people were doing, more long form stuff, like kind of like Harold's and stuff. We didn't realize we were doing Harold's, but we kind of developed Harold's just by creating all these tiny little scenes and then interweaving them together to make it all make sense. Right, right. And and that was the stuff that we, we really started getting good at and enjoying to do. What was your reason for starting it in the first place? Just to have a group that was always together? Or why do you remember? Um, part of it was because I wasn't getting enough playtime, honestly. Okay. And then also because I wanted to do something that challenged us more. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you can only do so many arms experts right. and have it be, you know, challenging. Right. And right. not that there's anything wrong with it. You know, comedy sports is fantastic for entertaining masses of people you know sure anyone can see a comedy sports show and be like oh i enjoy this yeah and you do yeah but we, we wanted to challenge ourselves more and try to you know try to get a little deeper into what we, were, we could do and I, you know it you, it's hard to do it in three minutes yeah right <laughs> right that's fast um you know but then the, you know, again the reason i think that we did so well with it and i think the reason that our performances now are, are so good still is that we learned so much about supporting each other and, and sure. moving at that speed and, you know, listening at, you know, that fast. Cause a lot of, a lot of groups that start out just doing heralds and long form stuff, move at a snail's pace and it drives you nuts. <laughs> right. <So. laughs> well, when you, when you started it, were you already doing written work too, scene work that you guys had written together or did it start with just improv and then you brought in some writing? Well, like I said, we, Sean and I came up with uh, with uh, an idea to do a, some uh, written stuff. So we we started, I so vividly remember the first sketch we did. Uh, oh, tell <laughs> me about it. I want to hear it. <laughs> I don't know if I can verbally describe it very good, but uh, basically Sean would walk out on stage and stand there like he was using a urinal. Okay. Facing the audience. And I'd come up next to him and stand there and kind of uncomfortably like peer at him a little bit. And uh, it's a funny big, what? What are you doing? He's like, hey, man. saying nice. <laughs> Nothing weird. Just, it's nice. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? He's saying it's nice. You know, they have to get uncomfortable and, you know, let the tension build up a little bit. And it's like, I'm just saying, it's like, got a nice vein. And just keep going and going until all of a sudden I'm like, hey, come on, let me stand by you. And then before you know it, we're having a sword fight. (laughs) And the brilliance, the brilliance of the ending of this sketch is after Sean yells at me for peeing on him and I finally apologize. I'm like, hey, come on, let's make it up. Both playing some poop cannons. (laughs) And the lights go out. And that is the quality of the start of the Dead Alewives. And that, stuff. <laughs> that, my audience, is the Dead Alewives. <laughs> <laughs> well, you still I remember just, it. I just spent some time with Sean McKenna, and we 
we spent a few nights just rolling around laughing our <laughs> off talking about the stupid stuff we did. So I recently found, I, I went, I reminisced a bit and p- pulled up boxes of old uh, particles and stuff. And I found the first article that was ever written on us. And, um, I don't know what it's in. It must be the journal. Uh, I know Frank Ford took the picture. Okay. And it's of me, Brian Green, and Sean McKenna. Uh, in characters that we used to play called Bob and Zeke that were two hillbillies that owned a bait store. Okay. So as far as the other written sketches go, was it primarily you and Sean, or did all of you guys start to do that together, or how did that work? We we started, at first we would all meet and write together, okay. and then as the show progressed, like once we got into our final form, you know, what the shows that you were coming to were like, you know, when we were really set and we'd been doing it for a couple of years already. Yeah. So those were when, you know, it was uh, Sean, me, Bo, Mundy, Kurt, Dan, and Rob. Right, I think right. That's it, everyone, right? Yeah, yeah that was it. Um, <laughs> um, and, you know, when we were doing those shows, everyone was writing. Um, everyone wrote very different stuff, which was pretty neat. I've been going through some of our radio show tapes. You know, we had a radio show on WMSC for, right. I don't know, like two years or something like that. Okay. And then uh, we've had a different radio show on NPR, whatever the NPR station is there, for like a year. That was that Hotel Milwaukee thing we did. Okay. Um, and we would all write stuff, but um, at this time, it was like basically what happened is, I think our shows were on Sunday, and we'd stay up all night doing comedy sports on Saturday and then go right. drinking until bars closed at 3.30 and then <laughs> go to my house and sit and drink until 5.30. <laughs> and everyone would wake up on my couches with hangovers and we'd all start writing our sketches for a 3.30 show. Oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, Dan Harmon had the first laptop I've ever seen. And it was like about 12 inches thick. Yeah, right. With a th- three times larger printer that he'd haul around with them. <laughs> okay. and, you know, that you have to tear the paper off the side, the little polka dot oh, thing. Oh, yes, yes, the little spots. <laughs> and uh, and I'm just, I still remember being mesmerized by how fast he could type. And I got to say, he would type stuff up in his first draft, it would be like just a funny sketch. Yeah. You know, everyone else, we'd write something and be like, all right, we got to, this part's stupid, this part's all about this dumb joke, cut this, you know. Right. But he, he, he was pretty amazing at that, like pounding these things out and like having like a, his first draft being a good, usable sketch. Wow, that's um, awesome. But yeah, we would go to these shows and uh, a lot of times the radio show, we'd like take these sketches and go down there and we'd be on air and you're cold reading stuff. You know, the first time you're reading is on air. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Listening to those shows is pretty excellent because, you know, you could tell we're really pulling it off. You can tell when someone accidentally goes off script or reads somebody else's line or something and pulls it back in and makes sense. Well, you guys were incredible. I was such a groupie, and I remember coming to see you every, I thought it was Wednesday nights when you were in the black box at Comedy Sports. Yeah. Yeah, we tried, We, you know, we were trying to work out where we weren't being an interference to comedy sports. Yeah. Um, you know, so we kind of took the night <laughs> of the week. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was my favorite night, going downtown to watch the Dead Alewives. You guys were just incredible entertainers and improv people. It was amazing. Yeah, it was my favorite night of the week, too. Yeah? Well, you guys must have felt like rock stars back then. Yeah, I never missed a show. I mean, I I used to go to Southeast Asia and stuff, and sometimes when I do that, 
uh, from the business I was running, I would have to miss one show. It'd drive me nuts. <laughs> Otherwise, I would try to schedule my, every time I'd take a trip. I'd be like, leave on Tuesday, on Thursday, come back Tuesday. <laughs> Just to be there. Well, that's awesome. That's good. I was passionate. Yes. Were you still doing comedy sports throughout that? I was. You know, if I wasn't being punished, I was doing <laughs> I loved comedy sports. I would have, you know... I was one of those people who, if they called me up, I would cancel just about anything to be there to do the show. Right, right. Um, what did you learn back then doing comedy sports and the alewives that you think still carries with you today in just your regular life? I mean, you. I would tell anybody in the world to take a comedy sports class just to help them through life. Um, just learning how to get confidence. Yeah. And that uh, just supporting each other and saying yes to stuff uh, opens up all sorts of doors because you know as soon as as soon as you just take it like okay yep this is it I'm gonna do it mm-hmm. you're already in the right mindset to make it succeed yeah um, you know it, it, and it works with with so many things you know and just in every day like I don't know if you know like Monday Carter yeah I remember him and uh, Karen are have been doing they did these TED talks about uh, working with people with Alzheimer's and uh, dementia. And how if you approach them and they're like, you're the mailman and you're not, you're their son. You can't just go, no, no, I'm your son because their brain can't process it. Right. I'm sure I'm slaughtering this. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but if you just say, yep, I'm the mailman. I'm here to see you today. It's your mail. You leave and you come back. Then they can process that and move on to the next thought. Oh, wow. So it just kind of works. It's just with everything, you know, if you're just like a good supportive person and, you know, you know, it's going to help you out in life. And um, it certainly does in performing. Yeah. Uh, when we came out to Los Angeles, when Rob and Dan and I moved out here, it was at 97. One of the hardest things I ever did was leaving everybody in Milwaukee and coming out here because uh, I loved it there and we yeah. were doing really well. Right. Well, what was your what was your goal going out to L.A.? Well, you know, we had that comic book, The Disposable Assassin. That, uh, that Rob did, Rob- right? Rob, Rob, Rob was the artist. Uh, I published, I was on the publishing company. I started the publishing company to make the book for Rob and got rid of my jewelry business. Was that the fireman, that. the fireman press? <laughs> yeah. Fireman press. Um, and I guess by the fourth book, we started talking to people in Los Angeles about, uh, making a film out of it. And in 97, I think we sold film rights to Oliver Stone. To Oliver Stone. <laughs> Yeah, they optioned it. Okay. And uh, then they optioned it again. And with the second option, we kind of had enough money that we moved the company out to Los Angeles and decided to just really try to make a go of it. Mm-hmm. And at the time, our plan was to have like a LA Alewives and then Milwaukee Alewives. And, and, yeah. And never really happened. And then Kurt moved out there not too long after we did. I guess right. like six months after. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we never really quite pulled pulled things together. I did a couple of shows with Dan. Like I got some really good performers from Improv Olympic out here. Okay. That I I just jumped into Improv Olympic when I got here. Uh, Kurt and I started taking classes and doing shows, but they were never they never quite satisfied me doing their form of Harold. Really, what uh, was different? He, it's a great format, but it's um, 
it's a little, I find it to be a little bit forced, kind of like I felt some of the comedy sports stuff was. It wasn't open enough. And not all of them are. Some of the groups really mastered and just do such a phenomenal job. And some people are just, I guess, better at the form than I was. Yeah. But I liked a little freer style of stuff. So, again, after years of doing um, Herald teams and never really quite feeling like I, I hit one that I was like, oh, this is great. Because I really missed what we had with the Alewives. We had such a, a magical bond together. Yeah. And I felt like I could just throw myself on stage and someone was going to catch me. You right, know? right. And, and then I come out here and I like throw myself on stage and hit it real hard. <laughs> like six people lined up against the wall looking at me. <laughs> They're like, what the hell was that? <laughs> yeah. Um, so eventually uh, some of us started doing a show. Actually, they started without me and had me come in a little bit later, uh, Old Milwaukee. And that was uh, Mike Hoff was in it and Kurt Scholler, Tom Clark, mm-hmm. uh, Eric Price. Uh, Dave Tooney, Brian Allman, mm-hmm. and uh, we started doing shows out here, and it was just kind of like when we started the AL, as I felt. It was like, to, you know, after a couple of shows, we just got our, our thing going, and we were just having so much fun and kind of creating our own new style of doing uh, a long form. And we started doing these cage matches at uh, Improv Olympic. Okay. And um, I forgot what did we win, 87 in a row or something like that. <laughs> nice. Um, it's like you go up against another group and they they decide who is funnier and that group comes back. Yeah. So after, I think it was 87 weeks. I might be exaggerating, maybe it was 77. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> it was three, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was over a year. Okay. <laughs> And uh, they're like, all right, well, you guys can just have a Friday slot. We started just doing a regular slot there. And uh, that became my favorite thing again. Yeah. Um, I think I think we're doing the best shows that I've ever done personally. And are you still doing know. them? Do you still perform with Old Milwaukee? We were doing them until the pandemic started. And yeah. then um, it's hard when you're in a different room and there's no audience. Right. And <laughs> the whole world shut down. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so, maybe it'll uh, start up again. Yeah, I, I we, we've been we got together a couple of weeks ago for Tom Clark's birthday. Okay. And we all kind of rap about it. Um, I'd love to do it. You know, we've been making an effort to get together here and there mm-hmm. during the pandemic. We'd all every once in a while come sit in my backyard because we can sit six feet apart from each other. <laughs> oh God, this has been awful, hasn't it? Yeah, it hasn't been the most fun. Do you still? Um... Keep in touch with the alewives, the people that didn't go out to LA. I, yes, I keep up with the ones that didn't move to LA more than the ones that did, for the most part. Besides Kurt, who I see a lot. Oh, you um, don't talk to Rob and Dan much anymore. Not, not really. Uh, you know, I, I mostly like once a year or something. Rob and I will have some business thing where uh, we discuss. Um. You know, every once in a while, Dan and I pretend we're going to get together and go for a drink, but it's hard to get him to actually commit to something and be there. You know, he's just busy. Yeah, busy. And we just kind of grew into different worlds, I guess. Um, we still talk about doing a reunion show every once in a while. One of us will mention it, and everyone will be like, yeah, yeah, let's do it, let's do it. And then it never happens. Like a, a Dead Alewives reunion show? Yeah. In Milwaukee? That's what I said it would be the most fun to do. Yes. Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to come back and have a couple different bands come do shows with us and Oh my god. Um, I would freak out of my mind. That would be so cool. <laughs> I mean I don't think we've done it since I don't know, uh two thousand 
three or something like that, maybe. Wow. Well, now you were instrumental, no pun intended, in bringing the bands to the Alewives shows to perform with you, right? That was like kind of your thing. You were the music guy. Yeah, I don't even remember why I decided that would be so cool. <laughs> I guess it's just because they had a keyboard person. Yeah, okay, that's how it started. I'm, I'm, I'm wrong. They had a keyboard person at Comedy Sports, Paula. Uh, yeah, Paula Foley. Yeah, she did all of the music, and uh, it really added something to the shows. You know, yeah. she was she really paid attention. And then we had, you know, we tried a lot of other people, and some of them were good, some of them weren't good. Some of, but then there's like this point where it'd just be like. Peter, you're on this remote doing music. I don't know how to do music. Just push the MIDI button. <laughs> and that was just interruptive. You know? right. <laughs> so, I was terrible at it. I always hated when I, I there was a point where I broke my knee and they were performing and they were like, well, instead of giving you that uh, workman's comp, we're going to have you do the music. I'm like, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> I'd just be sitting there in the corner sweating in a cask and I keep pushing <laughs> buttons and playing happy birthday while they're doing a scene. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was terrible at it. But um, we, uh, so then I started, I knew some people who were really good at doing music. Um, there's this guy, Dave Adler, up in Madison who was fantastic at music. Yeah. So we had him come down and perform with some guys. Um, I think Willie Porter was one of our real early yeah, guest he was, musicians. Yeah. Um, and then I just started getting into having more and more bizarre stuff come in. So, you know, I was in the music scene a lot. So I started getting, you know, I'd have like a hardcore punk band come in. Nice. Um, like, you know, um, all the guys from Dyke Kreutzen, which is one of the best Milwaukee bands around. Uh, <laughs> have this other group called uh, F-Face is what we'll say on the phone. Okay. Um, um, they were amazing. They had three drummers, three full sets of drummers. Tom New's brother was one of the drummers. Paul New, great really? drummer. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. Um, anyway, this band was excellent. Like just this wall of sound and, you know, coming after this comedy, you know, you're, you're sitting down at this comedy show and there's three drummers. <laughs> And you never know what you're going to get. The next week you'd come in and there'd be four violinists from the symphony playing. Right. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, it was really, I loved doing that. I loved just uh, shocking the audience with a completely different style of music that they wouldn't normally get to see. Yeah. Well, I, I remember watching the shows and sometimes the band would get comfortable enough to play kind of the background music during your scenes and not just perform at halftime or whatever. Yeah, we would always give them the option of it. And sometimes they were good at it and wanted yeah. to, and sometimes they hated that and right. were terrible at it. Yeah. But um, there were de definitely some chaotic moments. You <laughs> 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 explained to them, like, no, no, we get it. We absolutely get it. And they did not understand. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, we had this group that was like Funkadelic, um, the, the Electric War Babies. Okay. Uh, it's about, there's like nine of these guys uh, who, I don't know how I came across them. They're really fun to watch, though. They really were like, you know, they're dressed in like sheets and diapers and stuff and <laughs> dancing. <laughs> it's really, it's crazy. Uh, but their funk music was fantastic. Okay. And um, they... I, I think I was like, I think I told him, hey, uh, we'll give you, you know, I'll get you a pitcher of beer. And there was like nine of them. So I gave him like, you know, three pitchers of beer. And yeah. I was like, all right, we'll just, we'll just get the cost of that. Well, they just thought that was going to keep happening. So they <laughs> back up like 27 pitchers of beer. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
they would just start playing in the middle of our song of our sketches. Like all of a sudden, this funk song would come out real loud and a horn. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yeah, sometimes they didn't go well, but. <laughs> Well, I only remember the times they went beautifully, so. <laughs> for the most part, they were really neat. There's a lot of really fun stuff. Yeah, for sure. Super fun. So as far as comedy sports goes, can you remember what your favorite game was? I like the longer stuff. So I really liked, I like to do replay because you okay. could just do an organic scene without any real form to it. Yeah. You know, and then you get to twist it up a little bit. I always enjoyed doing uh, Day in the Life, stuff like that. Yes, that's a great um, one. And then the later, in the later days of me being there, we started doing, um, I forgot what we called it, but you would just make up a game. So the audience would make up the title of a game and you had to make up a game to go with it. Oh, like Game-O-Matic? Uh, sure. Was that it? <laughs> um, and I really, I liked that because there's a group of us who just had a mindset of, um, long form game so you could really try to just make up a game that was more set on making a, a scene right i i don't like the gimmick stuff that much it's you know i understand there's a place for it but i don't think comedy sports even does that stuff that much anymore but when you know when i started we were doing a lot of dr know-it-all and stuff like that and sure. it's like you know after you do it once it's great in a workshop, but you kind of get it. The it's not, you know, it's not right. a, it's not something you, the audience wants to see ten times in a row. Right? No, I'm with you, and I'm as I've said many times on this podcast, I'm terrible at the pun games, which are very gimmicky. The 185 and the I'm just mm -hmm. I'm just my brain doesn't work that way. I just want to do a scene and see what happens, see what comes of it, and what characters can be developed, and you know that's that's it, more it, yeah, fun. it's a lot more challenging, yes. and more and more rewarding. Yes, yes, definitely. You know, instead of doing I mean, you're right, like Dr. Know-It-All or Arms Expert, every show, it gets tiring for the players. I mean, the audience enjoys it unless they've seen a lot of shows and they're like, oh, here we go again. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And well, that's and that's why, you know, getting into that, once we were allowed to start doing stuff that uh, gave us a little more challenge, it was, uh, I enjoyed it a lot more. Yeah, definitely. What was your favorite style to replay a scene in? Jeez. I don't know. <laughs> a funny one. <laughs> it's so hard to say because, you know, when you'd get, if you'd get rap and you killed it, it was great. Right. If you got rap and it sucked, it wasn't so great. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's very true. I mean, was there ever um, a suggestion you were hoping to get as far as style? Were you like, oh, I can't wait for the dialects or I really want, you know, emotions or was there one of your favorites? I don't know. I I don't I and I don't remember it being that way. I just remember really like. I mean, yeah. There's certain stuff that you'd be like, oh, okay, that one's a drag. Yeah. Dorian chant. How am I going to make this exciting? <laughs> um, uh, you know. So obviously, anything with more energy is more fun. I was a very energetic performer, especially when I was young. Absolutely, you were. You had so much energy. Yeah, I was. Well, I was very physical too. Yes. And so anytime I could, you know. I had to tone that back too much. It was less fun for me. Well, is that the kind of performer you would ex you would describe yourself as a very physical performer? Uh, much less now, but I still <laughs> I'm still pretty animated. Yeah, for sure. But not you know I used to be a, just a maniac. I mean, <laughs> Jesus, I I broke so much stuff performing. Did you break your knee while you were performing? 
I blew one of my knees. I blew just before a show when I accidentally bounced a piece of paper on purpose off Kurt's head. And, um, <laughs> Tackled me to the ground and hyperextended my leg. Oh, my God. Um, that was the first time I blew one of my knees. The first time of many? <laughs> and then once Dan Harmon and I were in Madison, uh, that was another thing. When we would go to Madison, watching those guys was such a treat for us. They were kind of our heroes, too. Yeah. yeah the old Madison group that all went up to New York, you know, yeah. Mike Rock, Tolman, and Dan Fleming and all those guys. Um Anyway, so I was with them, which was always really fun to go perform with those guys. So me and Dan were in filling in for some people and doing a show up there uh, above Wendy's in Madison. Yeah. And I got was doing a replay, and we got heavy metal for uh, the musical suggestion. So, you know, I had long hair at the time. Yeah. So it starts out, and I'm uh, on one of the bleachers or one of the benches, and I'm whipping my hair back and forth, and I jump off of the bench, oh, no. you know, Doing the flying through the air with my legs split, pretending I'm playing guitar. And I kind of spun in the air when the bench fell down. Oh, no. So I landed sideways, oh. and my leg bent sideways, which the whole <laughs> audience got to see. Oh, no. Um, and Medic. I rolled off the stage and came back on, and my knee was about the size of a large grapefruit. Oh, my gosh. And uh, I remember I didn't want to go to the hospital in, in Madison. I was like, Dan... Stop at a 7-Eleven, <laughs> buy some beer, something for me to drink, and drive me back to Milwaukee. <laughs> so Dan drove me back. I got drunk in the car on the way back, and he dropped me off at emergency. Oh, my gosh. And uh, I was in a cast for about six months. <laughs> six months. Good job. That was a good That was a good injury. Yeah, I had to have my ACL rebuilt. It was pretty lame. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I remember in my youth playing and always getting hurt when I performed in Madison. Just leaving there with bumps and bruises and breaks and just, it was, it was mm -hmm. a disaster. But then you knew you were good at your job, right? You'd come out with injuries yeah. and then keep playing. <laughs> what, year, what year did you start in Madison? I was in Madison 95, I think I, I, I mean, I, I started there in 93, like workshops and stuff. I think I started playing in 95. Five in Madison through mm -hmm. 98, I want to say. Yeah, no, it was after those sense. guys left. It was after yeah. they all went to New York. And then there was a new group that started, you know, Mark Molnitsky, Brian Judkins. Yeah, those guys were all there, but they were they just moved up the ladder. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. So it was it was, um, it was was different than when you were going there to perform. But um, I, I still remember all those guys. Though. Those guys were all still good friends. They were great to perform with. Oh, yeah. I loved performing in Madison. It was so much fun. Yeah, it's such a, a very different. I mean, that and that made us grow a lot too, because they were so different from the Milwaukee mentality. Yes, definitely. Uh, and, definitely. and that was a, that was another really cool thing about comedy sports is that every city had a different style, sort of, that they would develop, and then yeah. we all get together once a year, and you'd see what everyone else was doing, and you know, right. pick up what you liked and what you didn't like, and yeah, you know, um, it's it's really cool. It's, it's such a, a fantastic family of people. Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. Yes. I love that. Everyone I interview says that like, it's just such a wonderful family that you become a part of. And even once you stop performing at comedy sports, you still have that family. Oh, please let me bring that to my attention. As soon as you interview somebody who's just like, Oh, those <laughs> Jesus, I am so sick of comedy sports people. Right. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Where's part of my life making people laugh for money. 
<laughs> Did you play in LA when you went out to LA or you didn't do LA comedy sports? I didn't. Okay. Um, I went to a couple uh, rehearsals and uh, I don't know. I think my history preceded me. I didn't, I, I didn't ever really get asked to perform here. <laughs> no. What's this history you speak of? <laughs> well, I was, you know, I, I was kind of naughty in Milwaukee. Oh. I, I, I got, I got us in some trouble. The was. Oh, was this the poster incident? <clears throat> the poster incident was one of them, and you know, just the fact that I was doing shows that weren't comedy sports. It just was kind of a okay a sour spot for a while before anyone was doing it. I think it took uh, it took Dick and the management some time to accept that people were going to change and do different things that were going to be competition. Sure. Well, what's incredible about that, though, is I mean, yes, back when you guys started the Dead Ale Lives, that was kind of like the first group to branch off and do their own thing. And now they're everywhere. There's just tons yeah. of groups doing their own thing. And I think that all started back with you guys. Well, Brady Street did it before us, but I think Brady Street was already a group before they got into comedy sports, if yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah, they were. But, they were already Brady Street and then came into comedy sports. Like yeah. You guys were comedy sports and branched out of it to do something else. Yeah, and you know, I understand that it, it was it had to be challenging and feel like you're we being betrayed, but you know, I think we've we've made our peace with it. Uh yeah. I, you know, I have nothing but gratitude and respect for Dick and uh what he's done for me. It really has changed my life and it's appreciated. I got to definitely mention how much Bob Orvis changed stuff for me too. Oh yeah. He, during the hardest times, Bob was there and gave uh, when we were being punished for stuff. He would make sure we got shows so we could keep living. <laughs> That's nice. Yes, he was good at that. Always giving people the shows when they needed that. Yeah, and you know the the remote show is you know sometimes there is this weird thing where you know how people got scheduled was very diplomatic, but uh -huh. um, you know Bob was just like, no, I want these players on the shows because they're the ones who are going to perform well for me, and they'll they can do three shows this night and get them done well, and yeah, right. that was really cool. Yeah, so for sure. He he definitely saved a lot of us. <laughs> That's good. Do you still talk to Bob and Dick? I I don't I we've I been texting with Dick a little bit here and there. It's nice, you know. I, I told him that next time I come, I'd love to take them out to dinner. I really would love to see them. Yeah. Um, I make more of an effort to see Bob because we were just, you know, Bob and I were more friends. We we hung sure. out more. Sure. Uh, you know, we hung out. We were friends. We, <laughs> I, you know, Dick was always more of my boss, even though you know you say you're friends and stuff. He was yeah. my boss. Yeah. How often do you get um, back to Milwaukee? I'm, I, I try to come once a year. Okay. Um, it, it depends on, you know, what's going on. Well, if you guys um, ever do a Dead Alewives reunion, count me in for front row. That's awesome. <laughs> I would love I, it. Yeah, I think there'll be at least three other people who will try to get those front row seats. So there'll be some competition. <laughs> All but right, we'll have to throw down to get those seats. <laughs> I've actually, I've had, and, and, you know, I have band member friends who are always like, if you guys ever do a show, you got to make sure to let us know a play. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. The chemistry between you guys and just the comfort and the things you were able to come up with as a group was just incredible. I don't think I've ever seen a group since then do what you guys did in the Alewives. God, you know, I have so many videotapes that I've been going through, and there's so much footage. You know, because I have probably 200 shows on videotape. Yeah. 
and you know a couple hundred radio shows tapes <laughs> i've been I, you know i listen to them and watch them here and there and i still am mesmerized by how talented and how good some of the shows were it sounds really corny for me to say this about myself no i don't think so we did I some think... really good work it's no, like for geez, sure. we were making up such crazy bizarre stuff yeah and committing to it do you remember all of you guys had recurring characters at some point during your run do you remember what one of your characters was that would come back every once in a while? Um, there is one character that Rob Schraub always would make me do that was funny once, and he'd call me in again, and it was never funny again. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and his name was Mr. Alhausen. Okay. And it, it was just stupid. It was like a misunderstanding where I, I walked into the scene and I was addressing Rob as Mr. O'Hausen. I was like, Mr. O'Hausen? Like, he was supposed to say, yes, I'm Mr. O'Hausen. And he instead thought I was introducing myself. And that was the humor of the scene. Okay. And to recall that character made no sense at all. <laughs> was, you know, hey, it's Mr. O'Hausen. <laughs> and, uh, Yes, I'm Mr. O'Hosen. <laughs> <That's laughs> there, no, there was no character. Um, yeah, that uh, that's my reoccurring non-character. Okay. <laughs> um, we also, I used to, we, Sean and I had these characters, Bob and Zeke, I used to do it quite often. Okay. Uh, in the beginning, uh, which was another, t- not a very proud bit of mine um just a, a hillbilly who talked too fast you know yeah, yeah we got both we got, we got everything you need is that right trying to go that's my fault i don't even know what you're saying but it's funny <laughs> yeah that but that was that picture that i was mentioned was in the uh journal or right. whatever magazine it was in yeah you were posting some things on facebook right some of these things that you've had these articles yeah, I spent one night where I pulled out a whole bunch of stuff and started posting, but there's just, there's so much stuff. Right. That's kind of what threw me. Like, I forgot just, I mean, I guess we did AOS for seven years before I left town. Okay. So, you know, one to three shows a week, um, it adds up pretty fast. So, I, yeah, I have, yeah. you know, I used, to, I used to make a poster every week for these shows, and we'd go around and put them up. <laughs> Uh, I, you know, I have stacks of those that are just hilarious, the stuff that we'd put around town. Well, yeah, I mean, that was back before the internet. So advertising was you walking around and putting posters up, right? Yeah, there's like five minutes businesses that would let you put them in their windows. So mm-hmm. you got to know all those people real well. And then, uh, you know, you'd go put a couple at the university and there are some places that would let you put like cards up, but not posters, so that you have the little print quarter size sheets and put those out. <laughs> okay. And <laughs> yeah, it's expensive. You, you, you know, it yeah. would take me four hours or something to make a flyer. Yeah. And you'd go print them up, and then you have to go put them out all over the place. Right. So I was kind of in charge of all the money and everything too. So I would, you know, we'd have someone take money at the door, and then they'd give it to me, and I'd split up most of it between the performers, and then keep like you know one share of it we'd throw into a fund that would be used for printing stuff and yeah you know if we other expenses that we'd have to incur boy that's got to be the least exciting part of a interview you've done no that's okay it's just fun talking to you but i want to learn about your nickname in comedy sports was psycho three yeah um i don't know if that was i don't know if i ever got to pick a nickname i don't think i did okay um when you'd run on stage, Roger would make something up for you. Roger Hubba Hubba Hebner. Yep. 
<laughs> and I don't know. I, I think it's because I would make kind of a psychotic looking face, a maniacal <laughs> face, and I'd slide into the um, apology box at the front of the stage. Sure. You know, because that's what they do. You'd run up and be like, introducing Peter. And you slide up into your spot. And uh, I, I'd freeze and make this kind of crazy look. And he started calling me Psycho. And then it became Psycho 3 because uh, there was a Psycho 2, I guess. Um, and then because I had a motorcycle, it became uh, Motorcycle 3. Okay. Or Motorcycle 3. Um, which again didn't make any sense to the audience, but um, <laughs> what the hell? What the hell? <laughs> I never cared that much about the nickname. <laughs> I would prove myself in the comedy that followed. There you go. So, what keeps you busy now in LA? Um, well, I have a business restoring vintage BMW motorcycles. Wow. Um, and that keeps me pretty full-time busy. Okay. Um, I am also a pretty ridiculous record collector. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I DJ a lot out in Los Angeles when there's not pandemics going on. Oh, you do? I didn't um, know that. Yeah. I, um, I did a little bit in Milwaukee and then when I moved out here, I started DJing more and more and collecting and then I inherited a gigantic uh, record collection from this guy, Bob Height, who's in a band called Can Heap. Mm-hmm. He was renowned as being one of the bigger collectors in the world when he passed away Wow! in the 70s. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, so that kind of doubled my collection. So now I have a house filled with records. <laughs> <laughs> and I might as well share them. There you so go. I got the, it's the 45s. The little ones are like my favorite thing to collect. So I've, I've got like, you know, 70,000 45s. Okay. Wow. Which is so you have a whole ridiculous room for, amount. You have a whole room for all your records. I used to have a record room. Um, it spilled into my record living room, into my record dining room, <laughs> my record billiard room. Oh but <laughs> They're everywhere. Yeah. But that's okay. I don't mind having motorcycles and records everywhere. That's awesome. Well, before we go, I have one last thing. We're going to play a quick game of Would You Rather. I always end my interviews with this, getting to know our uh, guest just a little bit more. I'm going to have you pick a category, okay? All right, sounds exciting. You can pick either pain, fear, and discomfort, appearance and embarrassment, or food indigestion. Mm, These all sound so fantastic for me. (laughs) Um, I guess I'll I'll go for the middle one because it seemed like it would be the... Most ridiculous. All right. Appearance embarrassment. Would you rather have a bird that says F you every time someone walks in the room or have a dog that humps your guest's legs? Bird. I'd go for the bird for sure. You'd That's go for hilarious. The bird. Oh, all right. I was thinking dog would be kind of funny. Yeah. I kind of hate having my guests have <laughs> leg though. <laughs> You made this happen, you know. This wasn't my fault. I was just sitting here and having a nice morning. <laughs> so it's the bird for you, huh? The old F.U. bird. <laughs> I'll take the bird over. Uh, you know what you get with a dog with humps. <laughs> well, hopefully I can walk in your living room someday and hear a vulgar bird. That would be super fun. Peter Alberts, thank you so much for your time today. I've loved talking to you, and I hope you guys do come back to Milwaukee and do a reunion show. That would be amazing. 
I do too. If anybody else will do it, I will absolutely do it. I miss all of these guys a lot. Yeah. And I would love to all get together and do a show. It was really the best days of my life. Well, we're, you got to start it. those days. You got to tell those guys, we're doing it. We're going to Milwaukee right now. All right. I'll get on the <laughs> phone. Wait, I'm on the phone. I'll get off the phone. <laughs> Peter Albert, everybody. Thanks for coming. It, by the way, it's Alberts. Alberts. Just make sure that. <gasps> <laughs> Have I been saying Albert the whole time? <laughs> Did you call the right person? Do you think I was somebody else? I really thought you were somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> Well, either way, thanks a lot for having me. It was a good time. Thank you so much, Peter Alberts. <laughs> All right, you have a good day. Thanks, Peter. The Comedy Sports Podcast is produced and engineered by Kyle Hanneken. Our announcer is Mr. PJ Rockwell. Feel free to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Comments and inquiries can be sent to the Comedy Sports Podcast at gmail.com. Created and hosted by me, Christine Rolo Capriolo. See you next time. The Comedy Sports Podcast is an independent production made by CSC players. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast host and any guests are their own and do not represent the views and opinions of any CSE location or CSE worldwide. Vocabulary used by the host and guests is not necessarily representative of the CSE brand.